With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Indigo Room. I'm your host, Sydney Chase. And, you know, this is where we discuss all things spiritual. Hi, Linda. Hi. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I just wanted to um, let you all know that tonight we are discussing Neville Goddard. And uh, we're discussing the resurrection by Neville Goddard. And um, we're talking about your fourth dimensional self. Your fourth dimensional self and thinking fourth dimensionally. So the topic is in the uh, chapter out of this world. So we'll be discussing out of this world. Are you out of this world? That's why the thumbnail looks like that. <laughs> so here's some sage. Hi, Sharon. Welcome. Let me sage myself. I think I have to light this a little bit more. Woo. I'm going to set myself on fire. And um, I love this chapter of Neville. Thinking fourth dimensionally. That's what we're discussing tonight. So if you have your book, I hope you get it. We're going to tickle our amygdala like we always do. Hi, 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 hi. And um, I do want to mention that, hi, Barb. Hi, Barb. Welcome, welcome. I do want to mention that the fundraiser for the Indigo Room Here's some sage. The fundraiser for the Indigo Room ends tomorrow, um, October 3rd. So if you still would like to become a donor of the Indigo Room, you can get a, whatever you donate. It'll allow you to get a shout out, to be mentioned on our social media, on our website. You'll be recognized as a donor. Um, you also can receive, depending on how much you donate, 30 minutes coaching session with me. And that is all in the description below. Their links are in the description below. As well as the coaching, group coaching, the imagination creation group coaching um, begins October 3rd. I'm sorry, 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 sorry. <laughs> October 12th, that's Saturday. So it'll be four Saturdays. It's four weeks. It'll be four Saturdays. Um, it starts on October 12th, Saturday, October 12th. One is at 3 p 12 p.m., 3 p.m., and 6 p.m. You select the time, and you will meet each week at the same time on the same day. If you wanted to do the um, one that starts on the 4th, I'm sorry, that starts on the Monday, which is the 14th, not the 4th, October 14th, that one is at 7 p.m., and we'll meet every Monday at 7 p.m., you can find out more information by going to the indigoroom.org website. That's our website. 
and you will find um, if you click on coaching sessions, you will find all of the information there, how to how to pay, how to make your payments. And if you missed Sunday's episode, I'm going to be posting it right up here after the show. And we discussed um, the topic, this thing called money and is money God and is God money. If you missed it, you can still find it. If you're in YouTube, you can click it right here. If you did miss it, you can find it right on our website as well. It's still up. And right now we are streaming live on the website. So if you have friends or family that do not have a YouTube account and you know, you've been telling them about the Indigo Room and they want to check it out, but you're like, eh, I don't want to do YouTube. They can just go to the indigoroom.org site and it's live right now. If you go over there right now, you'll see me live right now. <laughs> so, um, Amira, hi, good evening. Welcome back to our new subscriber, Amira. So make sure you guys say hello to her. You can friend her on Facebook as well. And uh, she's now my friend on Facebook, just like you all are. So we're going to tickle our amygdala first. I hope you all had a great week. I had a good week. I've been busy. I've been busy creating my realities. <laughs> I hope you've been busy creating your reality because now's the time to do it. Amira says she's ready and excited to learn new things. Okay. I'm always excited to learn new things too, Amira. And I, like I said on Sunday, teach most of what I have to learn. So I usually, you know, I'm the guinea pig for, for everything. I, I work it, I do it on myself first, and then I bring it to you all. And uh, then, you know, encourage you to give it a go. I won't say try, because, you know, you know how we feel about the word try. <laughs> but what we're going to do first is tickle our amygdala, as we always do. And um, if you don't know where your amygdala is, it is right here. You have two of them on either side of your temple, right above your uh, ear, right here. And when your amygdala is closed, that's when you're in fearful mode and you're stressed out and, yeah, and you can't think and everything's wicky-wacky. But when your amygdala is clicked open, you feel good. And we um, found Neil Slade in 2007 or eight or nine. I don't remember when he used to be a guest on the show and Linda suggested we should have him back and I'm going to reach out to him. However, he taught us that there's a brain hack that you can do in your imagination and it helps you to be able to use your imagination. Because some of us, you know, have left our imagination back there when we were seven and eight, nine, 10, you know. And then we had to come into reality. You know, your parents told you, be realistic, get into your reality, right? So no more imagination for you, except for when you come into the indigo room. And this is where we discuss all things spiritual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And by that, I mean that we're non-physical spiritual beings having physical human experiences. A life is supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be good. It's supposed to be delicious, even when it's wicky-wacky. Sometimes it can get wicky-wacky. It can just, you know, it can get wicky wacky. But that's where tickling your amygdala comes in and using your imagination comes in. So I want you to get your feather, get your feather. Imagine that you have a feather in your hands 
Close your eyeballs. Close them. I see you peeking. Close your eyes. I'm going to close my eyes. You close your eyes. So close your eyes. Imagine that you have a feather in your hands. And you are going to feel the bristles of the feather on either side of your feather. Imagine what the color of your feather is. Is it black? Is it blue? Is it green? Is it white? What color is your feather? It can be any color. It could be a, it could be a um, peacock feather even. It's up to you. And you imagine what it feels like. Are the bristles stiff? Are they soft? Mine is blue, white, gold, and a little purple. I think I got it from a peacock. I'm not sure. And, and then you are going to lift your feather up into the center of your forehead. Slide it in. Slide it in. And then slide it over to the right and tickle your amygdala on the right, right above your temple. And then slide the feather over to the left and tickle your amygdala on the left. Take the feather out of your forehead because we don't like you walking around with a feather in your head. And uh, you should be smiling. And if you're not smiling, then, you know, do it again. Try, try, try. Do it again. Do it again. All right. Let me shut my phone down so I don't get disturbed back, folks. Okay. And um, that's it. Barb says, I have Neil Slade's books and CDs from way back. Yes. Yeah. He's pretty awesome. He's still doing videos around here. So we will get him back um, in the show, hopefully soon, you know, hopefully soon. Okay. So tonight we are discussing Neville, Neville Goddard, Resurrection, the book. If you don't have the book, you didn't get the book when we first started. You can get the book in the description below. The links are in the description below. I am, I said last week that I wasn't an Amazon affiliate. I don't know why I said that. I was so nervous. I am an Amazon affiliate. I took that out. And um, I do get a little bit of a stipend if you purchase the book through me. I just want to say that. Um, being transparent. So you can uh, get the book down there. You can get, you know, all the books that we mentioned are in the links to in the description below, but they're also on our website as well. So if you miss anything, you can get your own book. I suggest everybody get the book and read it themselves. You know, don't listen to me, listen to your higher self. So what we're talking about tonight is your fourth dimensional self. You all have one. So do I. That's your higher self. It's someone that you can um, talk to actually you can bring the higher self into your now moment, into your, into your being. Um, as a matter of fact, Sanaya Roman talks about your higher self, but Neville gives it a little bit of a different spin and you're thinking how you're going to be thinking fourth dimensionally. We talk about the fourth dimension, the fifth dimension, the third dimension. 3D is what we're in right now. This is, this is the third dimension. What is the third dimension? It's like form, right? It's everything here. You know, you can touch. Here's the mouse. You can touch that. Here's a pen. You can touch that. You can touch, you know, my crystal. I can touch that. So it's all stuff that we can touch. I'm 3D. Okay? So that's the 3D. 4D 
is a little bit different. It's a little bit out of this world. And we're going to be discussing that tonight. So let's get right into it. Thinking fourth dimensionally. And the first thing Neville says, and now I have told you before, before it comes to pass, that when it comes to pass, when it comes to pass, ye might believe. That's in John 14, 29 in the Bible. Many persons, myself included, have observed events before they occurred. Has that ever happened to you? I know it's happened to me. That is before they occurred in this world of three dimensions. Since man can observe an event before it occurs in the three dimensions of space, life on earth must proceed according to plan. And this plan must exist elsewhere in another dimension and be slowly moving through our space. If the occurring events were not in this world, when they were observed, then to be perfectly logical, they must have been out of this world. And whatever is there to be seen before it occurs here must be predetermined from the point of view of man awake in a three-dimensional world. Y'all get that? Because I'm going to tell you, he gets a little like, you know, he gets deep. Makes you think out of this world. Thus the question arises, are we able to alter our future? Are we? Do you think everything is predetermined, set in stone? It cannot be changed because, you know, Neville talks about revising our past. And if you can revise your past, that means then you should be able to alter your future, correct? I would think so. My object in writing these pages is to indicate possibilities inherent in man and woman. He always says man, all right? So it's Neville talking. He means everybody when he says man, okay? So don't get it all like, oh, she's, you know, she's discriminating against women. Neville doesn't talk about women. He's talking about everybody. He's just using the common word man, all right? To show that man can alter his future, but thus altered, it forms again a deterministic sequence starting from the point of interference. A future that will be consistent with the alteration. So in other words, man can, women can alter their future, but it forms now, right? So say, you know, um, I don't know, say you decided that you wanted to become president of the United States. You can alter where you are right in that moment, get into your imagination and stick with that and change your trajectory. And now that is predetermined. That's what that's what he's saying. You altered, you interfered with the direction you were going through your imagination and shifted the way you were going and created a different reality for yourself at the point of interference, at that point where you decided, where you made the determination 
And when you decided to get into your imagination, you shifted your reality. You shifted and altered your reality at that point of interference. The most remarkable feature of man's future is its flexibility. It is determined by his attitudes rather than by his acts. So, you know, if you keep doing the same thing over and over and over and expecting a different result, it's certainly not going to happen. You know why? Because you haven't changed your attitude. So when you change your attitude, you're changing your state. When you're changing your state, you're altering your future. And what is that state? You can get into your imagination and put yourself in the point of now and imagine a new state. The cornerstone on which all things are based is man's concept of himself. He acts as he does and has the experiences that he does because his concept of himself is what it is and for no other reason. So some of us, have the same concept of ourselves that we were told by whomever, somebody, a teacher, a, a, a parent, a grandparent, an aunt, an uncle, a friend, groups, colleagues. So we accepted that concept of ourself and that is our experience. It's based on the concept of ourself. How do you change that? Well, we're going to talk about that a little bit. Had he a different concept of himself, he would act differently. So if you had a different concept of yourself as like rich, would you act differently? I think so. You wouldn't, you know, be talking about how you don't have no money. You'd be doing different things, being different things, experiencing different things by someone who was rich and had the abundance to be able to do the things that people with abundance can do. So if you have the concept of yourself that it's always gonna be poor, you're always gonna be broke, you're always gonna be working hard, well, that is going to be your experience. Point, period, point blank. That's how you're gonna be rolling. That's how you're gonna get down. That's it. That's how it goes. A change of concept of self automatically alters his future. And a change in any term of his future series of experiences reciprocally alters his concept of self. You see how that works? So you change your concept of self, you have different experiences and the experiences also continue to help you change your concept of self. So it just is like a, like a you know, give and take, back and forth. Man's assumption, which he regards as insignificant, produces effects that are considerable. Therefore, man should revise his estimate of an assumption and recognize its creative power. All changes take place in consciousness and your subconscious. The future, although prepared in every detail in advance, has several outcomes. At every moment of our lives, we have before us the choice of which of several futures we will choose. How about that? So you don't have to keep staying in the same lane. You don't have to keep doing the same thing. I posted up on um, my Instagram a couple of weeks ago and a, a, uh, film, a little clip video from, you know, 
my ex-husband, Idris Elba. Because, you know, he got married. He ain't checking for me, though, boy. But um, what he was talking about was, you know, don't stay in your lane. Do what you want. Be who you want. Experience what you want. Just because somebody says you can't be, do, or have a thing, don't believe them. They're full of nonsense. They don't know you. They don't know what you got going on. They don't know a thing about you. They don't know what you're packing in your imagination. All changes take place in consciousness. The future, although prepared in every detail in advance, has several outcomes. At every moment of our lives, we have before us the choice of which of several outcomes we will choose. Yeah, me and it just, I ain't gonna leave him alone. I'm giving him a break right now. There are two actual outlooks on the world possessed by everyone, a natural focus and a spiritual focus. The ancient teachers called the one carnal mind and the other mind of Christ. We may differentiate them as ordinary waking consciousness governed by our senses and a controlled imagination governed by desire. We recognize these two distinct centers of thought in the statement, the natural man receiveth not the things of the spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, for they are spiritually discerned. The natural view confines reality to the moment called now. This is what I got. This is what I'm going to have. Ain't nothing going to change. This is just the way it is. If God wants me to have A, B, C, D, and E, D, and E, and God will give it to me, you know. This is our, this is our lot in life. This is what we got to do. This is how we got to be. This is how it's going to roll. You ain't never going to be ish. You ain't never going to have ish. That's just what it is. Right? That is the uh, natural mind, the carnal mind. That's what That's what a lot of us think. The spiritual view, on the other hand, sees the contents of time. It sees events as distinct and separate, separated as objects in space. The past and the future are a present whole to the spiritual view. What is mental and subjective to the natural man is concrete and objective to the spiritual man. Now, you know, I had to read that line like, you know, several times when I first read it. And then I went over it and I was like, you know what, Neville, that doesn't make any sense. And reading it again and reading it again and over and over until I was like, oh, that's what you mean. What is mental and subjective to the natural man is concrete and objective to the spiritual man. Because what we believe we create in our imagination, we should you should, if you're doing your imagination work, allow it to take on the tones of reality. So when you are in a spiritual realm, you know, doing your spiritual work and doing your imagination work, and it's something that you, a scene or event or something that you want to be, do, and have takes on the tones of reality, it hardens into fact and becomes concrete. The habit of seeing only that which our senses, senses permit renders us totally blind to what we would other, 
wise could see. To cultivate the, the faculty of seeing the invisible, we should often deliberately disentangle our minds. That's hard, right? Disentangle our minds from the evidence of the senses and focus our attention on an invisible state. Mentally feeling it, sensing it, until it has all the distinctness of reality. That is what we do in our imagination when we are doing it on a conscious level. When we're not doing it, it's unknowingly, you know, we allow our fears and our worries and our doubts to manifest. They become manifest too. But when you're consciously, consciously doing your imagination work, knowing and feeling that mental click that you get, that it is already done. You become your own savior, so to speak. Just like when we talked about the name of God and Jadhe Vauhe, and when we talked about Esau and uh, Isaac and Jacob, and when we talked about Noah and how all of those things are talking about how we can go into our imagination, the mysteries of the Bible, are there mysteries of the Bible, that series, that section of resurrection, and making those things concrete, giving it the tones of reality. And then you can, you know, if you don't like what you created, you can always go in and shift it and change it and create something different. Earnest, concentrated thought focused in a particular direction shuts out other sensations and causes them to disappear. We know that when we closed our eyes, and was tickling our amygdala with our feather, if you were focusing on your feather, everything else disappeared at that moment. You were only focused on the feather and your amygdala. We have but to concentrate on the state desired in order to see it. The habit of withdrawing attention from the region of sensation and concentrating it on the invisible develops our spiritual outlook and and enables us to penetrate beyond the world of sense and to see that which is invisible. Because y'all, you know, like right now, you see what you're seeing. I don't know if you're looking at me on your phone, your tablet, your laptop, how you, you know, looking at me right now. But everything that's around you right now is, you know, your sense reality, your subjectified is all the things that you have objectified in your in your experience, plus some, because stuff that you sent out wiki-wackily to other people that has come back and has settled in your experience, because remember, we talked about that too, right? So it's all of those things combined. But when you close your eyes and you're in imagination, all of that disappears. Close your eyes right now. Do you see anything? Close your eyes right now. Do you see anything outside of what you've decided you're going to see in that moment. And maybe you can still see me talking. You can imagine right now that I'm, you can still see me. That is the invisible. You brought me into your experience right now in that moment, still. That's what we're talking about when we talk about using your imagination. So he says, um, the habit of withdrawing attention from the region of sensation and concentrating it on 
the invisible develops our spiritual outlook and enables us to penetrate beyond the world of sense and to see that which is invisible. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. And that's in Romans 1.20. And I had to look that up again this, this uh, week. And I got my Bible here. I'm just going to read you the whole thing instead of just a little bit. So that's Romans 1.20. And it says, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made so that men are without excuse. So it's talking about the imagination of God, basically, in the Bible. It came from the invisible to the visible so that we could see what is, you know, around us, nature, mountains, the, the ground, the ocean, the, the, the sand, the seas the plants, the animals, each other, came from the invisible to the visible. So we have no excuse. That's just the imagination. This vision is completely independent of the natural faculties. Open it and quicken it. Without it, these instructions are useless. That's what the Bible is saying. For the things of the spirit are spiritually discerned. A little practice will convince us that we can control our imagination, reshape our future in harmony with our desire. Desire is the mainspring of action. We could not move a single finger unless we had a desire to move it. No matter what we do, we follow the desire which at the moment dominates our mind. Whatever that desire is, you know, it's dominating your mind. Maybe you want to pay your rent. That's dominating your mind. That's a desire. And what is the solution? The solution would be to pay it, right? Would be to have money to pay the rent. You're hungry. That's a desire. You want to eat. What's the solution? To have a meal. You're thirsty. That's a desire. What's the solution? To drink. So you can get into your imagination in that moment in whatever it is that you're experiencing and focus on your desire, when we break a habit, our desire to break it is greater than our desire to continue in the habit. The desires which impel us to action are those that hold our attention. A desire is but an awareness of something we lack or need to make our life more enjoyable. And we remember, and we've been learning from, from Neville and from I Am Discourses, the desire is a gift from God. We've learned that since 2009 and it stays the same. It hasn't changed. A desire is but an awareness of something we lack or need to make our life more enjoyable. You know, I know a lot of people, there's, there's, there's a, there is a train of thought that we should not have desires. I don't follow that train of thought. That's not, that's not for me. Desire is a gift from God desire is a gift. So if I'm hungry, I mean, if I'm, if I'm hungry, I'm thirsty and I desire to eat food, I don't see anything wrong with that. That desire is indicating, you know, that it's time, you know, it's time for me to get up and go look for something to eat so that it can continue in my experience. Makes my life more enjoyable to eat, have something to drink, 
have a roof over my head, or whatever it is that I'm just choosing to have. Nothing wrong with having desires and don't let anybody tell you any different. Desires always have some personal gain in view. The greater the anticipated gain, the more intense is the desire. There is no absolutely unselfish desire. How about that? Where there is nothing to gain, there is no desire and consequently no action. So if you are not having a desire, you're not doing anything either because there's no action happening. Why would you? The spiritual man speaks to the natural man through the language of desire. The key to progress in life and to do the fulfillment, the key to progress in life and to the fulfillment of dreams lies in ready obedience to its voice. Unhesitating obedience is its voice, is an immediate assumption of the wish fulfilled. To desire a state is to have it. As Pascal has said, you would not have sought me had you not already found me. And I want to say something too, because I have it around, I have this on my wall in, the, in, in, in my office, and I've had it on my wall for years. I need to rewrite it again because it's getting kind of brown. It says, it is impossible to imagine something which does not exist. Think about that. Maybe it doesn't exist in the objective world, but it would be impossible for you to even imagine it if it did not exist fourth dimensionally. If it did not exist already, maybe it doesn't exist in the 3D dimension, but it does exist somewhere. If you're thinking about it, if you are creating something in your imagination, it has to exist some place. And if it doesn't exist here, then where is it existing, if you can imagine it? Just saying. The key to progress in life, and oh, I said that already. You would not have sought me had you, oh, I did that. Okay, all right, excuse me. Assumptions awaken what they affirm. As soon as man assumes the feeling of his wish fulfilled, his four-dimensional self finds ways for the attainment of this end, discovers methods for its realization. I'm going to read that line again because I just want to make sure y'all got that. Assumptions awaken what they affirm. So, you know, when Neville talks about assume that it exists already, assume that it is yours already. Assume the wish fulfilled. Assume that it has already become. Because you got it in your imagination. Assume that it is real. Let it take on the tones of, the rea of reality, right? Assumptions awaken what they affirm. As soon as man, assume, as soon as man assumes the feeling of his wish fulfilled, his four-dimensional self finds ways for the attainment of this end. 
So if you have assumed the wish fulfilled, your four-dimensional self is busy working to make sure that it manifests for you. You have help. You are not out here by yourself. Discover the method for its realization. That is not your work. We're not in the middle. You're not trying to figure out the middle. You are just assuming the wish fulfilled. You are just in your imagination living in the end. And your fourth dimensional self is busy doing work. We don't give our four dimensional self work to do. A lot of our four dimensional selves are unemployed because we ain't thinking. We, we, we're not doing anything up in here in our imagination. We just go, you know, okay, this is the way life is. This is how it's going to be. This is all I'm going to ever have. My father had this. My mother had this. My granddaddy had that. And we're never going to have more. So your four-dimensional self is sitting up there going, oh, my God, I wish they would give me a job to do. I wish they would imagine something. I wish they would get in their imagination and imagine something. Give me something. The undisciplined man. Oh, I'm sorry. I know of no clearer definition of the means by which we realize our desires than to experience in imagination what we would experience in the flesh were we to achieve our goal. This experience of the end wills the means with its larger outlook, the four-dimensional self then constructs the means necessary to realize the accepted end. We have to accept it first. We have to imagine it done. We can't just keep looking to the outside to see if it's done already. We have to imagine it done. That's what we talked about last week in the I Am Discourses. Dare to be silent and keep it silent. Keep it to yourself. Unless you're talking to somebody, you know, that, that understands what you're doing in your imagination, you know, like me or somebody here at the Indigo Room or somebody else who's doing spiritual work that, you know, the undisciplined mind finds it difficult. The undisciplined mind finds it difficult to assume a state which is denied by the senses. So somebody who's just starting this, right, who's just starting being in the imagination would start would find it difficult. I know I did in the beginning. It was difficult for me. But the more you practice, the more you discipline your mind, the easier it becomes. But it takes practice. You have to practice it. You can't just, it works if you work it. You can't just like, you know, say, I, I just, oh, it, I can't do it. And then give up. Did you give up trying to figure out how to walk when you was a little baby? I don't think so. You're still trying to figure out how to do stuff now. Did you give up on yourself? No. If you're still here, you haven't given up on yourself. You're still working, being, doing, having, you haven't given, but there's a different way that you can be, do, and have the things that you want by being in your imagination and working and doing the work in there and then allowing your higher self to do the work. Figure out out the middle. The undisciplined man finds it difficult to assume a state which is denied by the senses. Here is a technique that makes it easy to encounter events before they occur. Call things which are not seen Call things which are not seen in your experience right now 
as though they were. Act as if. Now, that doesn't mean that you're going to go into your, um, uh, uh, get your credit card and then go act as if you're a rich person and go spend up money that you don't have. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about acting as if in your imagination, going within in your imagination and seeing it already done within your imagination. People have a habit of slighting the importance of simple things. But this simple formula of changing the future was discovered after years of searching and experimenting. The first step, you ready? The first step in changing the future is desire. That is, define your objective, know definitely what you want, period. Find your objective and know definitely what you want. Well, Sydney, I don't know what I want. That's okay. You can join our Imagination Creation Group group coaching and you can figure out what you want. You can get clarity. We're going to talk about that on Sunday. Secondly, construct an event which you believe you would encounter following the fulfillment of your desire. An event which implies the fulfillment of your desire. Something that would have the action of self-predominant. Thirdly, we're going to go back to that in a minute. Thirdly, immobilize the physical body. Induce a condition akin to sleep. You're not sleep, but you're akin to sleep. It's light sleep. It's not sleep, but it's light sleep. Lie on a bed or relax in a chair and imagine that you are sleepy. Then with eyelids closed, and your attention focused on the action you intend to experience in imagination, mentally feel yourself right into the proposed action. Imagining all the while that you are actually performing the action here and now. So you're bringing whatever that experience is into your here and now, right now, this moment, right, right now. You must always participate in the imaginary action and not merely stand back and look on like you're watching a TV screen, like you're watching me right now. You want to actively put yourself in the scene, doing an action, whatever that action and the, the event that you created. You must always participate in the imaginary action, not merely stand back and look on, but you must feel that you are actually performing the action so that the imaginary sensation is real to you. So let's say you want to go on a trip to, I don't know, Maldives. You know, put the picture up on the Indigo Room vision board, um, the vision board uh, video which I'm going to put right here. So if you haven't done your vision board video, I mean, you haven't done your vision board yet, you can click on the video that's going to pop up on your screen and you can do that. Create your vision board, but we're going to Maldives. Let's say we're going to Maldives and it's beautiful, crystal clear water. The sun is out. So if you're just looking at the picture, but you're not putting yourself in the picture, that is, going to probably take longer to manifest because you're not allowing yourself to really feel it real. 
So what Neville is saying is that you want to, thirdly, I'm sorry, secondly, construct an event. So what would be the event that would be the fulfillment, would, would indicate that you have arrived in Maldives, that you went there? Would you be creating the event of you sitting on the beach putting your feet in the sand? Would you create the event of calling a friend from Maldives or taking a picture on your phone and sharing it on your Instagram? Would you? Would that indicate that you were in Maldives? Then that would be the event that you would create. Very small, doesn't have to be big. You could be sitting on the beach with your phone in your hand. Imagine that you have the phone in your hand and you're sending, taking a picture of the ocean and sending that to your Instagram or your friend. And your friend is replying back, oh, my God, that's beautiful. That could be an event. It could be that you're having a drink on the beach. It could be that you are getting off the plane. That could be the event. It could be the event of you getting on the plane. Because you did everything that you imagined, every, that particular step. And now what will happen is, your fourth dimensional self, your bigger self, your higher self will figure out a way for you to get there. Is no, you don't have to figure it out. Maybe you'll win the trip. Maybe somebody will call you up and it'll give you the trip. Maybe you'll be doing a speaking engagement and the trip has taken you to Maldives. Or maybe you'll get some money and then you'll be able to buy the trip yourself. The point I'm trying to make is you're the one that has to create the event that would indicate that this is the event that allows me to believe that I'm actually in this place. What would you be doing? Would you feel the wind on your face? Would you feel the sun on your face? Would you feel hot? I like to give everything the tones of reality when I'm doing in my imagination work. What does the air feel like? What does the what does the um, the the place look like? Does it have a distinct smell? Like today, I was at the post office in my imagination, sending off an envelope, and I know what the post office looks like. I know what it feels like. I know every little nook and cranny. So you would have to create the the scene, the event. Don't make it huge, make it small. Just something that you can remember to do over and over and over and over until it takes on the tone of reality. And I'm telling you, I guarantee you, you will find that at some point in time, in your reality, you will experience that exact same thing. It is important always to remember that the proposed action must be one which follows the fulfillment of your desire. And also you must feel yourself into the action until it has all the vividness and distinctness of reality. For example, suppose you desired promotion in office. Being congratulated would be an event you would encounter following the fulfillment of your desire. Having selected this action as the one you will experience in imagination immobilize the physical body and induce a state akin to a sleep, drowsy state 
but one in which you are still able to control the direction of your thoughts, a state in which you are attentive without effort. Now imagine that a friend standing before you put your imaginary hand in his. First feel it to be solid and real. Then carry on an imaginary conversation with him in harmony with the action. Do not visualize yourself at a distance in point of space and at a distance in point of time being congratulated on your good fortune. Instead, make elsewhere here and the future now. This is happening right now. Whatever it is, it's happening right now, this moment, here. You're making it real today. It's happening right now. The future event is a reality now in a dimensionally larger world. And oddly enough, now in a dimensionally larger world is equivalent to here in the ordinary three-dimensional space of everyday life. The difference between feeling yourself in action here and now and visualizing yourself in action as though you were on a motion picture screen or a TV screen or a video screen is the difference between success and failure. Because you're not making it like, you know, you're not making it real. So if you're not making it real, in your, in your imagination, it's going to take, it might take a longer time for it to manifest for you. That's why it's great to have your vision board so that you can like, you know, figure out what it is that you're imagining and put it into your, um, into your space and time. The difference will be appreciated if you will now visualize yourself climbing a ladder. Then with eyelids closed, imagine that a ladder is right in front of you and feel you are actually climbing it. Desire, physical immobility, bordering on sleep, an imaginary action in which the self feelingly predominates here and now are not only important factors in altering the future, but they are essential conditions in consciously projecting the spiritual self. If when the physical body is immobilized, we become possessed, of the idea to do something and imagine that we are doing it here and now and keep the imaginary action feelingly going right up until sleep ensues, we are likely to awaken out of the physical body to find ourselves in a dimensionally larger world with a dimensionally larger focus and actually doing what we desired and imagined we were doing in the flesh. But whether we awaken there or not, we are actually performing the action in the fourth dimensional world, and we will reenact it in the future here in the third dimensional world. Experience has taught me to restrict the imaginary action to condense the idea, which is to be the object of our meditation into a single act, and to reenact it over and over, the same event, until it has the feeling of reality. Once it has the feeling of reality, you will know. I can't tell you when that's going to happen. I can't tell you what it's going to feel like. It will feel real. That's how you will know. People ask me all the time, well, Sydney, when does that happen? When do you get the click? How do you know? You will know. 
you will feel it. It will feel so real to you that when you open your eyes, you'll be shocked that it's not sitting right in front of you. That's when you know you're doing it. You're in your imagination and you're doing the work. Otherwise, the attention, oh, it says, experiences taught me to restrict the imaginary action to condense the idea, which is to be the object of our meditation into a single act and to react it, reenact it over and over until, again, until it takes on the feeling of reality. Otherwise, the attention, your mind, will wander off along in an associational track and hosts of associated images will be presented to our attention. In a few seconds, we will lead, they will lead us hundreds of miles away from our objective, our objective in point of space and years away in point of time. That happens sometimes. You start, you know, you're in your imagination and you, you, you're focused and then, you know, you start thinking about something else that's kind of similar, you know, like, okay, I'm getting on the plane. And then you start thinking about, um, the last time you were on a plane and what happened with the last time you were on a plane. And the next thing you know, you're all, you're in the past thinking about something back in that happened already. Then you have to pull yourself back in and bring yourself back. Linda said, feel the sand between your toes in the Maldives. <laughs> yes, Linda. Love that feeling and the sound of the waves, smell, salt water. My mind wanders all the time. That's okay. You just have to bring it back. And don't beat yourself up, up. Don't beat yourself up when your mind wanders. Let me tell you, when I first did this trying to get my when I was working on getting my car that time, and I told you about the experience of me getting my car, my mind used to wander off all over the place. I would be in a different car. I would change the car would change. I would be driving, you know, driving in one direction. And then the next thing you know, I'm thinking about something else. Maybe I'm eating a sandwich, stopped off at the store. But with practice, you start to discipline your mind. When you're in the beginning, your mind wanders all over the place. Right now, even today, my mind will still wander. Not as much. I, and, you know, I, I can always rein her back in. I'm like, yo, Sydney, where you going? Come back here. We're doing this. Don't don't be mad. Yes, Funky Double Zero. Hi, my beautiful friend. You do need to stop beating yourself up about that. And just get back in. That's all. Okay, my mind wanted. All right. That happens. That's all. That's, all, that's it. My mind wanted. It happened. I'm getting back in. My mind wandered, it happened, I'm getting back in. In the beginning, oh my God, oh my goodness. I, my mind would wander every couple of seconds. Oh my God. No. Why can't you be here right now so you can help me? Never wasn't around, so I had to do it myself. And you just keep getting back in there. Sharon said, yes, I do beat myself up about it all the time. Don't. Just don't do that. That's not helpful for you. Trust me when I tell you. It's not. Don't beat yourself up about it. Um, 
if you decide, if we decide to climb a particular flight of stairs because that is the likely event to follow the realization of our desire, then we must restrict the action to climbing that particular flight of stairs. Should our attention wander off, we must bring it back to its task of climbing that particular flight of stairs and keep on doing so until the imaginary action has all the solidity and distinctness of reality. Remember when I told you that I was climbing my friend's stairs up to her house to knock on her door so that I could show her my new car before I had my new car. Do you know how many times I wandered off those steps? Thousands of times. I had to keep bringing myself back. I was like, okay, you, you, okay, let's, you're going to get this. You're going to get up these steps. I would wander off those steps. My mind would take me all over, all over creation. I'd be like, okay, Sydney, you're not on the steps anymore. Get back to the steps. Get back to the steps. And I would do that every night until I fell asleep. And then eventually I was able to actually climb the whole staircase. And it wasn't even that long of a staircase. It was like seven steps. Seven day I'm going steps, yo. And it took me forever. But then I finally, I was finally able to do it. I was so excited with myself, so happy with myself. I really was excited then. I ain't gonna lie. I was able to get up them steps. I couldn't get to the door, but I did make it up to the steps. So you just have to keep doing that. Um the idea must be maintained in the field of presentation without any sensible effort on our part. We must, with the minimum of effort, permeate the mind with the feeling of the wish fulfilled. Drowsiness facilitates change because it favors attention without effort. But it must not be pushed to the stage of sleep in which we shall no longer be able to control the movements of our attention but rather a moderate degree of drowsiness in which we are able to, we are still able to direct our thoughts. And listen, don't beat yourself up either if you fall off to sleep while you're doing it. It happens. And so you do it again next time. That's all. You woke up, you do it again the next time you go to sleep. If you fall asleep again, you do it again the next time. You just keep doing it until you get it done. That's it. This is something that, you know, how many, did you quit if you were going, if you went to college, did you give up and quit college because it, you just couldn't get through the grades? You couldn't get through the study? No, you didn't. Did you give up on your job when you were getting trained at a new job? No, you didn't. You're learning something new. You're learning something different. The only thing is there's nobody training you. You're training yourself. So you're the one that you're the operant power. Experience. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. A most effective way to embody a desire is to assume the feeling of the wish fulfilled and then in a relaxed and sleepy state, repeat over and over again like a lullaby, any short phrase which implies fulfillment of our desire, such as thank you, as though we address the higher power for having done it for us. If, however, we seek a conscious projection into a dimensionally larger world, then we must keep the action going right up until sleep occurs. Experience and imagination with all the distinctness of reality, what would be experienced in the flesh were you to achieve your goal? And you shall in time 
kneaded in the flesh as you met it in your imagination. Feed the mind with premises, that is, assertions presumed to be true. Because assumptions, though unreal to the senses, if persisted in until they have the feeling of reality, will harden into facts. To an assumption, all means which promote its realization are good. It influences the behavior of all by inspiring in all the movements, the actions, and the words which tends towards its fulfillment. And do you know your higher self, your fourth dimensional self can talk to somebody else's higher self? You meet each other in the fourth dimension. So if there's somebody that you want to meet, something you want to do, something you want to, you know, somebody you want to meet and fulfill, you can have your higher self speak to their higher self so that you can have a meeting. I've done that too. And it works. To understand how man molds his future in harmony with his assumption, we must know, ooh, we're at nine o'clock. We must know what we mean by a dimensionally larger world for it, for it is to a dimensionally larger world that we go to alter our future. The observation of an event before it occurs applies, implies that the event is predetermined from the point of view of man in the three-dimensional world. Therefore, to change the conditions here in the three-dimensional, three dimensions of space, we must first, first change them in the four dimensions of space. Man does not know exactly what is meant by a dimensionally larger world and would not, no doubt, deny the existence of a dimensionally larger self. He is quite familiar with the three dimensions of length, width, and height, and he feels that if there were a fourth dimension, it should be just as obvious to him as the dimensions of length, width, and height. A dimension is not a line. It is, it is, it is any way in which a thing can be measured that is entirely different from all the other ways. That is to measure a solid fourth dimensionally, we must simply measure it in any direction except that of length, width, and height. In order, oh, is there another way of measuring an object other than those of its length, width, and height? Time measures my life without employing the three dimensions of length, width, and height. There is no such thing as instantaneous object as an instantaneous object. Its appearance and disappearance are measurable. It endures for a, defined, a definite length of time. We can measure its lifespan without using dimensions of length, width, and height. Time is definitely a fourth way of measuring an object. The more dimensions an object has, the more substantial and real it becomes. A straight line, which has entirely in one dimension, which lies entirely in one dimension, acquires shape, mass, and substance by the addition of dimensions. What new quality would time? The fourth dimension give, which would make it just as vastly superior to solids as solids are to surfaces and surfaces are to lines. Time is a medium for changes in experience because all changes take time. The new quality is changeability. Observe that if we bisect a solid, it crosses 
it cross section, its cross section will be a surface. By bisecting a surface, we obtain a line. And by bisecting a line, we get a point. This means that a point is but a cross section of a line and in turn, which in turn, but a cross section of a surface, which is in turn, but a cross section of a solid, which is in turn, if carried to its logical conclusion, but a cross section of a four dimensional object. We cannot avoid, avoid inter the interference that all three dimensional objects are but cross sections of four dimensional objects, which are in our imagination. Which means when I meet you, I meet a cross section, I meet a cross section of the four dimensional you, the four dimensional self that is not seen. So when I'm when when I'm in if I'm in the if we're in our four-dimensional bodies or we're in our four-dimensional right? I meet a cross-section of that four-dimensional of you, your higher self, which I don't see, which you don't see. To see the fourth-dimensional self that is not seen, to see the fourth-dimensional self, I must see every cross-section or moment of your life from birth to death and see them all coexisting at the same time. That's how I would see your fourth-dimensional self. My focus should take in the entire array of sensory impressions which you have experienced on earth plus those you might encounter. I should see them not in the order in which they were experienced by you, but as a present whole. Because change is the characteristic of the fourth dimension. I should see them in a state of flux as a living animated whole. If I was seeing your all of you or if you were seeing all of me, you would see everything. If we have all this clearly fixed in our minds, what does it mean to us in this three-dimensional world? It means that if we can move along time's length, we can see the future and alter it to what we desire. This world, which we think so solidly real, is shadow out of which and beyond which we may be at any time past. It is an abstraction from a more fundamental and dimensionally larger world, a more fundamental world abstracted from a still more fundamental and dimensionally larger world and so on to infinity. That's where you talk about the fifth dimension, the sixth dimension, the seventh dimension, higher and higher and higher. So there's levels just like we are layered individuals, there's levels to this stuff. The absolute is unattainable by any means or analysis, no matter how many dimensions we add to the world. So it's on and on and on to infinity. That's when I used to ask my mother, Ma, where does God live? She's God is infinite. I said, what does that mean? So well, does the universe, is there a wall at the end of the universe? Like, where does it stop? No, it goes on in, it, into infinity. What does that mean as a kid? Infinity, what does that mean? It just keeps going and going and going? Yes, that's what happened. That's what they explained to me. They didn't explain to my higher self. 
about my higher self and being dimensions and dimensions and dimensions and dimensions and dimensions, bigger and bigger and bigger, man can prove the existence of a dimensionally larger world simply by focusing his attention on an invisible state and imagining that he sees and feels it. If he remains concentrated in this state, his present environment will pass away and he will awaken in a dimensionally larger world where the object of his contemplation will be seen as a concrete objective reality. Intuitively, I feel that where he to abstract his thoughts from this dimension, from this dimensionally larger world and retreat still farther within his mind, he would again bring about an externalization of time. He would discover that every time he retreats into his inner mind and brings out an externalization of time, space becomes dimensionally larger. And he would therefore conclude that both time and space are serial and that the drama of life is but the climbing of a multitudinous dimensional time block. Scientists will one day explain why there, why there is a serial universe, but in practice, how we use the serial universe to change the future is more important. To change the future, we need only concern ourselves with two worlds in the infinite series, the world we know by reason of our bodily organs and the world we perceive independently of our bodily organs. And that is the end. I, had, I just wanted to finish it. I'm sorry I went over. Chapter 21, Thinking Fourth Dimensionally, Your Fourth Dimensional Self. So, um, if you haven't gotten the book, make sure you get the book, Resurrection by Neville. Links are in the description below. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest. Um, Instagram is the Indigo Room Show. And all of the links are up at the top on the channel banner. Does that all make sense to you guys? Does that all make sense? Your higher self. Give yourself, give your higher self some business. Give your higher self some work to do. Just like you have your, I told you I have my treasure map, right? It's right here. I got my treasure map. See? I don't have pictures on it. Just have all my writings on it. But um, I read it every day. I read it every morning. I'm on Facebook. Name is Siman Amira. Okay, I'll look for you. It really explains the fourth dimension. Yes, Linda, it really does. See, we read this before, right? We remember when we read this before. But it really does, I guess because we're at a totally different consciousness that we can accept the fourth dimension a little bit differently. Even so, Sharon, Sharon, you're saying it makes sense. Yay! Woohoo! Now, you know I did some work. If Sharon's saying it makes sense to my girlfriend, you go, girl. <laughs> Funky Double Zero said it makes a lot of sense. How about, how you doing, Amira? Barb says it makes it makes sense. Amira, does it make sense to you too? So remember that the okay, yes, awesome. Sharon said this is true. Yes, it is, girlfriend. Makes sense to you. We doing some good. We doing some good work. Um, the last episode that we had again, um, which was Sunday, is this thing what is this thing called money that is going to be right here i'm going to put that up here in the in the video when it's done if you didn't watch that i suggest that you do and is money god and is god money 
And that's also on the indigoroom.org website. If you're not, um, if you don't have a YouTube account, you can, you can check that out. And the I Am Discourse is next week, next Wednesday, same time, same bat station is at 8 p.m. Oh, it's 11.11, 1.11. We're at 1.11. That's the time frame. Okay, I'm going to try to finish. And um, we're going to do the chapter 18 next week. So I hope that um, you guys had a great night, that you understood everything. Make sure you get your metaphysical Bible dictionary so you can follow along with Neville. The link is in the description below. And I will see you on Sunday. And we're going to be talking about getting clarity on what it is you really want to be, do, and have. And also, Linda did something really cool, which you guys may want to do. She got her vision board printed out at CVS. You said CVS and Walgreens has it, has it on discount right now. I think it was at 50% off or something like that. But you can get your, if you do your vision board on Canva, you can get it printed out in a big poster that you can put on your wall so that you can have it. Remember to thumbs up the video too while you're here. Don't forget that. Um, so I believe it was at Walgreens and CVS that you can print it out from Canva. Right, Linda? Maybe we'll put that on the... Um, on the website or something like that, or in the description below, we'll write it down there. Um, also, I want to just again remind you that the fundraiser ends October 3rd, that's tomorrow. Uh, Walgreens is a 16 by 20 poster. Is it $50 or 50% off? I don't, I don't know, is it $50, $50 or 50%? And um, we'll put the information in the description below. I'll get it from Linda and I'll write it in there. Also, um, the um, I, I told you about the Imagination Creation Group. All right, it's 50% off. Thank you, Linda. Yay! Thank you. Um, the Imagination Creation Group starting October 12th and October 14th. And you can find all the information at the website at theindigoroom.org. If you want to make a um, payment arrangement, you can email me at theindigoroom.org, I mean, theindigoroom2 at gmail.com. And I'll put the email in the description below as well. And, um, oh, Sunday we are here at 11 a.m., Amira. So that would be 8 a.m. your time because you're in California, right? So we're here at 11 a.m. Eastern, and that's 8 a.m. Pacific. You are welcome, my dear. And um, I want to also thank all of the donors who have donated to the Indigo Room so far. We appreciate you. Thank you. We love you, all of you. No, there is no amount that was too small or uh, uh, you can donate a dollar if you want. And I'll still shout you out and thank you for your donation. If you don't want to donate to the fundraiser, you can always donate to the Indigo Room at any time because our PayPal is in the description below as well as our Cash App is in the description below. Okay, so I'm gonna let y'all go because I kept you here a little too long. I had fun with you. I love Neville. I think Neville is so, he's just so amazing. He's so cool. 
And I learn something every single time I reread Neville, every single time. You can visit realneville.com to find more information. If you want to, you know, read more Neville for free, you can download the PDFs. That's what I used to do. Just download the PDFs and then print them out on my computer or put them on my phone. And that allowed me to be able to read and absorb more Neville when I wasn't doing it with you guys on the show. So Barb said, night, night all. Imagine while sleepy, but not sleeping. Yes. <laughs> Neville does rock. Sweet dreams, everyone. Sweet dreams. Oh, oh I can't. Let me, let me not sing. I heard it. I, I probably won't get um, demonetized for singing, but I'm not going to do that tonight because I have to have to control myself. I get to singing and then, you know, that's it. I'm on, I'm on a tangent. So uh, I do want to thank you all for being here. Remember who you are. Remember that you are source energy right here in a physical body. You can be, do, and have anything that you desire. It's not being extraordinary that makes you unique. It is your uniqueness that makes you extraordinary. Have a great week. I will see you on Sunday. I love you. Thank you for staying a little bit longer. Have a great week. I love you. Bye. Oh, remember to um, click my face to subscribe if you're new to the channel. Bye. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.